Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Anthony Broom on Thursday, February 1st. The crazy month of January is over. Michigan wins the Rose Bowl National Championship, sees Jim Harbaugh head to the NFL and Sharon Moyer, uh Sharon Moore hired, excuse me. Uh so crazy month. We'll see what February has in store, AB. How's it going? Well, breaking news here as we just start going. Uh, yes. Alcohol is now being sold at Chrysler Center and Yost. So now the games so. are are bearable over there at Chrysler. Well, <laughs> might uh, de- depends depends. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, not to keep piling on the basketball program. I'm sure we'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, Michigan football more wins in January uh, with two than Michigan basketball had. So that's a uh, that's an alarming stat on a number of fronts, both good and bad. But yeah, we survived the month of January, and now the month of February is uh, huge. I mean, Sharon Moore still working to fill out his staff. You've got, uh, I assume, maybe at the end of this month, spring ball starts, maybe early March. You and I will be uh, at the NFL Combine that first week of March, I believe it is. So everyone always asks, oh, well, what, when football season's over, what do you guys do? Like, what do you have to work on? It's like, it doesn't stop for us. It's just something different. So um yeah good to be back um it's it's on to february now which uh today february 1st as we sit here and record rose bowl was one month ago today which both feels like it happened this week and 10 years ago at the same time it's just been one of those kind of months yeah no it was it was a great month overall but yeah it was a it was quite the whirlwind uh, we are going to talk about michigan football what's next here for the coaching staff kind of where things are at as we sit here on Thursday afternoon, obviously 
Things are going to change in the coming days as well. We'll get to Michigan basketball at the end. Make sure to like this video if you're watching on YouTube. If you want all of Michigan's players to stay on the roster, hit that thumbs up button. Uh, show them that you want them at the University of Michigan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and head to the Wolverine.com. Promo code UM1. That's UM in the digit one at the Wolverine.com gets you two months of premium access for just one dollar. Uh, as we get into football here, just want to remind people that they can order the Wolverines commemorative issue uh, magazine issue for the national championship, 148 pages, glossy pages of content, whether that's features going through the entire story of the season columns, analysis, looking back at the special 15 and 0 year. So 148 pages coming on Friday. Uh, I believe we are releasing the hard copies as well for pre-order. So people can uh, get those It'll be even more durable. Uh, for you as the years go on because you're going to want to keep this one for a long time and the strategy i've been recommending is buy one or no buy three but one for you one for a friend and one to uh, file away in case you uh you misplace it to have for the future so you know i'm not i'm pretty biased because i work for this company you know we obviously are going to profit off of this but uh, i think that's the way to go so uh, you can order that at the wolverine on demand.com also in the buy uh, in the uh, description here of the video and the podcast uh, Anthony, let's get started, though, with Sharon Moore's coaching staff. We talked on Monday on the show, and not a ton has changed since then. But just to kind of run down, you know, guys who we believe are locked in to stay as of right now would be Kirk Campbell, quarterbacks coach, wide receivers coach Ron Bellamy, uh, new offensive line coach Grant Newsom coming over from tight ends, and then co-D coordinator and secondary coach Steve Klingscale. You know, obviously could be some shuffling as well with the staff, Kirk Campbell would believe is in contention for the offensive coordinator spot. Still question marks surrounding these next two guys, the two Mikes, Mike Hart and Mike Elston. You know, Elston's still recruiting uh, pretty heavily there. He's also Michigan's recruiting coordinator and, and D-line coach. But, uh, you know, he has drawn interest from Jim Harbaugh and the Los Angeles Chargers, and nothing has been announced there. Uh, likely out, but nothing officially announced yet. Jesse Minter, D coordinator, and Safeties coach slash special teams coordinator, Jay Harbaugh. Strength coach Ben Herbert is out. Michigan promotes Justin Tress, 28-year-old right-hand man of Ben Herbert, to his post as the director of strength and conditioning. So that's kind of the rundown at this point. I think what everybody is thinking about right now, you know, at least the diehards that are really following this pretty closely, is Mike Elston and how important it's going to be to keep him not only because he's a great coach and a great recruiter and Michigan's recruiting coordinator, but he's also got some really talented players on that D line, probably the strength of this team coming into next season between Kenneth Grant, Mason Graham, Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore. And, you know, when you lose not only your coordinator, but your position coach, you know, then I think that, uh, you know, I'm not going to say guys would leave, but I mean, you, you run the risk of that happening. Yeah, forget about the good vibes of a national championship. And don't forget about them. I don't want to want to make sure I clarify that. But when it comes to, like, this is now a coaching change. And this is a matter of, uh, obviously, that portal window is open now. Uh, you know, when it comes to Mike Elston, I mean, that's that defensive line group is probably why you have a window next year to kind of keep making the push that you have been. Uh, I think it's going to start with those guys, and that's – kind of the heart and soul of that defense. So uh, for me, you know, if in a situation where Mike Elston decides to leave, I, I think all options are on the table. And it's, it's not me speculating about 
guys that would leave, guys that might choose to stick around. But, you know, when you talk about no head, new head coach, new defensive coordinator, new position coach, um, you know, I think it might be a little easier to stick around if there was one. I mean, NIL is a huge consideration these days, and that's something that we know is being worked on behind the scenes. But at the same time, you know, this is a team, a lot of these guys have been to that mountaintop now. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not pushing guys either, you know, a, a particular way, but it's a little easier to chase a bag once you've been part of a team that has won a national championship. So that's not me just talking guys on the defensive line, but, you know, when it comes to guys that might have decisions to make altogether, now I think something that helps Michigan, that helps Sharon more, as we've said, is the fact that, you know, we're past the ad drop date for classes at Michigan. I think guys are kind of going to be locked in here through spring ball for the most part. And then we'll see what things look like from there. But um, again, I mean, that's, I, I think a lot of people thought that you would just plug in Sharon Moore and keep the band together and just keep going on your merry way on this March towards continued success uh, at the university of Michigan. But obviously like it's, it's going to look very different and, whether that extends to players on the roster, we'll see. I mean, I think it's the fact that we're we're now eight days into that transfer portal window, and I believe only one or two guys uh, have have declared their intentions to move on. I think that's a pretty good sign that you know, despite all the bluster, despite all this uncertainty, most guys are still locked in and and ready to play for Sharon Moore. But we'll see what happens from there. I mean, there's a lot to sort out here still with. You know, really the only things that have been officially announced is, you know, the the promotion of Justin Tress and then Abigail O'Connor sticking around. So there's a lot here to still kind of put a stamp on. And, you know, at the end of this week, I think you could correct me if I'm wrong, we'll begin a dead period. Uh, so coaches yep. will be back off the trail. And then that's where I think a lot of this maybe uh, gets finalized and sorted out. So long-winded way of saying we'll see what happens. Sharon Moore's been on the recruiting trail. Pretty much all week, Michigan ho hosting a junior day this weekend for um, you know some of the the top recruiting targets, and then the quiet period takes effect on the fourth. Dead period goes into effect on the fifth. So I think right now their main focus is taking advantage of these last few days of recruiting before they can finalize the staff. But it's obviously a lot of both right now for Sharon Moore, who's you know juggling a lot of different things. Um, I did want to mention breaking news as we record this and, and let's talk about the defensive coordinator hire that Sharon Moore is going to have to make, but Zach Orr, Ravens inside linebackers coach has uh, been promoted to Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, their D coordinator, former Michigan D coordinator moves on to be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Really happy for Mike Mack. Great guy, uh, rising star, 36 years old. Now the youngest head coach in the NFL, but that does provide an extra challenge for Michigan. We just saw it with Zach Orr, who's a guy that a lot of people mention as someone Michigan should target, you know, pretty much kind of was like Mike McDonald, right? Mike McDonald was the linebackers coach there in Baltimore before he came to Ann Arbor. Now John Harbaugh just filled his D coordinator spot. Jim Harbaugh will likely fill his with Jesse Minter. Mike McDonald now has a defensive coordinator spot to fill and they all kind of run that same system, which is like the Ravens style of defense. I think another Ravens assistant went somewhere else to be the D coordinator. It is just growing and growing this Ravens. You know, everyone wants to be and play the type of defense that, that the Ravens do. That includes Michigan. It's a tough spot right now 
for them, there are still guys out there that that can run that defense that you could bring in. There are still guys on this staff that Michigan could bring in, and that includes Mike Elston and Steve Klingscale. And if you have a guy in Mike Elston who might be wavering, you know, you have to wonder how possible it is that he could get an even harder look than he already would have as a defensive coordinator. I think it would be, I don't want to say worth it. That may not be the right way to put it, but you know, you don't just make the hire for continuity's sake, but I do think Mike Elston, he's a guy who has coordinated special teams before. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, you know, it has been Brian Kelly's associate head coach at both, I believe Cincinnati and at Notre Dame. So again, uh, big reason that he left Notre Dame in the first place is because he did get passed over uh, as Marcus Freeman's defensive coordinator during that transition. So again, um, you know, I think the sobering reality of it for a lot of Michigan fans, and and I do, I feel like there's a disconnect in, in a lot of people just understanding how much bigger it is to be in the NFL than it is to be at Michigan, even as a defending national champion, um, your head coaches there, couple of his key or your former head coaches there a couple of his key assistants obviously going with him uh we just saw jeff halfley leave as the head coach of boston college to go be the defensive coordinator of the green bay packers which tech you know technically yeah that's a downgrade in title but it's the nfl and i think what we're seeing with a lot of college coaches not even just head coaches but position guys is you know being a college football coach now is about so much more than just X's and O's and hitting the recruiting trail. You're basically kind of a politician. You got to hit the road. You have to gather donations. Andres. You have to be the figurehead of really the de facto figurehead or face of an athletic department, especially at a football school. So there's a lot that comes with that. Whereas, you know, that, that keeps you probably working 18, 20 hour days. Most days uh, you go to the NFL and, you know, they have extended schedules and such too, but you know, just take Jeff Halfley, for example. He just needs to go run defense with the Packers now. He doesn't have to recruit. He doesn't have to solicit NIL donations. He doesn't have to do all of those other things. So I do think, you know, as great and as historically uh, elite a program as Michigan has been, you know, when it comes to the conversation of NFL versus Michigan, yeah, I mean – there's just the NFL is it's just its own beast. It's a completely different thing on a completely different level. And just take take Jim Harbaugh, for example. I mean, the rumor is he's making 16 million dollars a year. And that's not, you know, even if you made him the highest paid coach in college football, that's that's what three, four, five million dollars past what that would have even been. So it's just it, it's a completely different monster. And guys that have opportunities, I mean, that is the pinnacle of the sport in. That's that's just where the conversation is. Yeah, and I think I think there are a lot of NFL head coaches that are probably making less than Harbaugh would have made if he came back at Michigan. But I think now he's going to be one of the highest paid coaches in the entire NFL. Maybe the highest paid. Um, you know, I know Belichick was twenty was the rumor because they don't have to release it, right? They're not public institutions like the universities, so we don't know for sure. But that was kind of what was out there when you uh, read up on the different salaries. So Jim Harbaugh immediately one of the highest paid coaches in the NFL. So good for him, you know, doubled his salary from last year at $8 million. I know incentives brought him, you know, well over quadrupled 10, his salary from 2020 up uh, 2021. That's insane to think about. So good for him. Um, 
yeah, but but it's kind of interesting here with with the defensive coordinator hire and where Sharon Moore is going to be. I know they're not starting spring ball in a couple of weeks like they like they normally do, starting earlier than just about anybody. They're they're moving it back. And Sharon said last Saturday that he's still finalizing a date on that. So we'll we'll try to figure out exactly when that is. But you know, time is t- kind of ticking here as they uh, as they try to make a hire. You're not as worried about the offensive coordinator hire just because it seems like Kirk Campbell is a very realistic option there, but you're still going to have some uh, changes you're going to have to make with the offensive staff. You're not as worried about the offensive players leaving because their coordinator and you know one of the guys who was a position coach of the offensive line has been promoted, is staying here. Um, so I think a lot more focus and, and, and antsiness from the Michigan fans has to do with the defensive side of the football. Uh, the last thing on on the staff is uh, word comes out today that Chad Bowden, uh, who is, uh, I think, the head of the recruiting department at Notre Dame, will be staying at Notre Dame. Sharon Moore was making a run at him to try to make him Michigan's general manager. Uh, but Football Scoop says, it, it, from the way they worded it, he's probably going to get a raise as well. But his responsibilities are going to grow at Notre Dame. So Sharon Moore helped him get a, you know probably an even higher title and some more money at Notre Dame, but regardless, it's not going to be him, but it seems like Sharon Moore wants to find a general manager for his program and kind of build out that support staff. And I think that's a a pretty smart move for him. And something that might be underrated too, is the support staffers that Michigan's going to lose, like complete Jim Harbaugh guys like Tom Gamble, who no one ever heard about after he got hired, but a guy who was really involved with scouting guys, watching a ton of film, you know, kind of, uh, you know, evaluating and helping out with that process behind the scenes as Michigan's, I think he was director of player personnel. Uh, but again, he was a guy that like, I don't even know what he looks like. I mean, no one ever really saw him. I don't know if you do, AB. Uh, I know D- Denard Robinson worked closely with him. Denard, you would think, would stick around as a Michigan guy. But there are going to be guys like that. They're going to move on. Uh, but either way, I think it's clear that Sharon Moore wants to kind of build out that support staff and make sure that he has you know, a lot of those guys, you know, in place to help out the on-field coaches because they've been pretty lean from a, a recruiting staff standpoint the last few years. Yeah, and maybe that's where the biggest difference is, is that, you know, the recruiting area of it, maybe that department gets expanded and you lose a little bit from, you know, the player personnel, so whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh, I think, did a really good job of sort of morphing the football operation into the closest possible facsimile of what an NFL front office looks like. Right. Um, Obviously with him being the head honcho, the judge, jury executioner of a lot of those things. But um, you know, I don't know that like it's going to look different under Sharon. And I think um, having like an NIL director in place, I think it would be a huge deal having more of those, um, those resources on the recruiting trail, because, yeah, I mean, someone someone that comes from an NFL background, they don't care what on threes rankings are, what any of the other recruiting sites rankings are. They're going to look at a football player and say, that guy can play and we have a plan for him. And I think that's kind of something that got lost in the sauce in terms of what made Harbaugh uh, so, success, uh, so successful over, the, over these last few years. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just when, when you lose someone like Jim Harbaugh, and lose a lot of his cadets and lieutenants, whatnot. It's just inherently going to look different. And you need to find a way to put your stamp on the margins and in the vision of what your program looks like. So again, uh, you know, like the, like the idea of the guy they were going after from Notre Dame, uh, I think uh, 
certainly it's I don't think any of that stuff was ever a pipe dream. Uh, it's just a matter of your Michigan fighting Notre Dame. Like th those are two for a guy who's two... been with Marcus Freeman at multiple stops as well. Yeah, you make the call because people would be mad if you didn't make the call, right? So um, all they can tell you is no. You just keep going, go down the list, and you know it does kind of. There has been a lot of questions about well, what does his phone tree look like? How what are, what are his contacts like? We've heard everything now from him calling guys that he used to work with that are now in the NFL to guys down the road at Notre Dame. It feels like they are casting a wide net to fill some of these roles. Uh, but again, it's just a matter. It's going to take some time and talked about it the other day. Everyone just needs to take a deep breath and let it all play out because at the end of the day, we can react to what's going on, but we don't really have any control over any of it. Yeah. And that's the thing too, that, you know, you want a lot of this to happen quickly, especially when it comes to retaining guys, but you have to not be afraid at any moment to pull the trigger on a move that you think's best for the program, whether that is one day before spring ball starts, like when Michigan hired Matt Weiss and moved Ron Bellamy over from wide receivers coach to safeties. He had to learn that and, and learn it throughout the spring with the players um, because that was what was best at, at that time for you know the Michigan football program. So, yeah, a lot of things on his plate in the short term, but it's just this ongoing process that he's going to have to you know, uh, adapt to as well. Go ahead. Yeah. Can I just make one more point too, is, is people that are frustrated with the timeline need to understand that at this point, Jerome Moore needs to build a staff that he feels like he can have in place around him for the next three, four, five years, however long uh, it, the priority isn't just getting all of your ducks in a row to maintain things for 2024. Now, again, it's that juxtaposition of, well, 2024, you think you might still have a pretty good team, but if you lose this, if you lose that, you might lose a couple guys. Like from Sherelle Moore's perspective, he can't worry about who who might leave, who's going in the portal. He needs to put a staff together that is going to help him be successful, not just this year, but into 2025, 2026, et cetera. So, um, you know, in the span of seven days, uh, I guess there's just a lot more to work out. Like that's just the reality of it, guys, is – there's a lot of moves to be made and a lot of coaches at programs that have their spring ball set or, or things like that. So again, I just continue to preach patience and uh, give the guy a shot, give the guy a chance. And a week ago right now, or, or, or today at some point he was interviewing for the Michigan head coaching job. So, uh, you know, it, it's yeah. still very early. You know, I will say, I, I agree. You have to get the, you know, whoever you think is, is the best fit. Uh, but if you do think Mike Elston is the best fit for the defensive line coach, for example, right? I mean, there are other examples you could use, then go get him. Um, you know, and I know that's Mike Elston's call when he has other options. It's not just on you, Sharon Moore, but that will also help retain players. Like you can kind of work on both, you know, at the same time. And, you know, that's the challenge of being a new head coach in college football right now. That's the challenge that Kalen DeBoer walked into at Alabama that, you know, numerous others that took over this cycle, especially the few that, you know, took over in January are having to deal with at this point. Um, let's move over to Michigan basketball, close things out. Um, Michigan falls 81-62 uh, at Michigan State on Tuesday. AB, I picked 80-62. to 62. I feel pretty good about myself, um, but Michigan Did basketball. Did you bet it, though? Being, what's that? Did you bet it? I did bet it. I did bet it. I suggested too in the, our game thread at a certain point when Michigan was leading in the first half that people should live bet 
Michigan State because that's kind of how it goes, right? Two straight games now. Michigan had two-point leads at the half and you know pretty much get run off the floor this one even worse but on the road without Doug McDaniel so a little bit more expe- uh, expected but I guess what did you see in the first half what did you like about the first half but also I, I imagine you had the same thought as the rest of us of yeah what I mean, happen next <laughs> it's the same that it's been regardless of Doug McDaniel's there or not you'll play a pretty again we know this team has flaws it's never going to look perfect but you play a pretty good opening 20 minutes um, and it maybe should have been a little bit better. I know Michigan State, I think, went on that little 5-0 run right at the end of the half there to, to trim things to two points. But, you know, my thought was, how is it going to, like, how are they going to do it this time? How is it going to look in the second half? And it's what it had been. Um, you know, the double-digit scoring run, they're just not, you know, they're not deep enough. Uh, they're not, from a details perspective, on both ends of the floor, they don't value the basketball. Their zone. They should never play a single possession of zone the rest of this season. And that's that zone is embarrassing. Yeah, I mean that's that's like you're playing 2K and drop the controller to go get your pizza rolls out of the microwave, but forget to pause the game. <laughs> that's how bad that looks. Um, and it's the same thing every single night out. And you know, for me, I think the most damning thing about well, first off. A Michigan-Michigan State game, regardless of, of what the teams look like, should never be on a Peacock broadcast. I mean, that's still one of the better rivalries in the Big Ten. And maybe that's why it was on Peacock, because I think it was on eyeballs. It was scheduled on Peacock for a long time, but it was. It was. That was before the season. Um, but I think the most damning thing, there were two things that stuck out to me. One is that nobody without Doug McDaniel, like everyone just expected that to be the case. And two. I think the most damning thing is that no one really seemed to care, um, which is you go to the Breslin. I mean, think of those games at the Breslin center, you know, in the beeline era, or even earlier on with Jawan, the game, some of those games that they lost, like there was, there was a palpable kind of buzz for it. And there just didn't seem, there didn't seem like there was any appetite from the fan base to, to tune in and watch them try to prevent Tom Izzo from getting win number 700 at Michigan state. And I don't blame anyone for that. It's just the state of, this is as bleak uh, an outlook as it's ever been for Michigan basketball. And, and for me, maybe we'll talk about this here in a minute. Like, I just don't know. You know, we start talking about what does next year look like? Is Juwan Howard the coach or not? I just don't know what they can come out of this year having hang, you know, hang their hats on and say, you know what? We have this, this is something to build around moving forward because Clayton, it's just kind of all a disaster and it's, it really is exhausting um, because, you know, it is a proud program with good tradition and, you know, they had succeeded under Joan Howard, but, you know, every time you think they can't go lower, it's just maybe not as low. Like it's not as bad as losing by whatever it was 40 at Purdue, but it, it just, it continues to just doesn't put a dent in anything. Uh, it just feels like it just, take a little bit of a step back or, or maintain every night out. Yeah. The, the difference between that game and for obvious reasons, Michigan state kind of struggling and inconsistent as well. Obviously they're still, you know, projected NCAA tournament team. I think a six seed or around there right now, but I mean, the difference between that in like 2014 when Michigan went in there and, you know, Nick Stauskas is blowing kisses to the crowd in 2018, uh, you know, that upset win that kind of really, you know, 
started Michigan's run there in the, uh, you know, the, the later, like two thirds of the season. It's a huge difference. One guy who did care though, was Tom Izzo. I was down on the court at halftime. Um, I wasn't part of the halftime show or anything. I was just talking to some people down there and I was in the tunnel going back up and Tom Izzo's coming out of the locker room. He looked sick to his stomach at halftime because partly what we're talking about, he knew they had to win that game. Like they had to, Otherwise, it would have been a complete and utter embarrassment for him because, you know, it's kind of like how Michigan fans felt during football season when they went into East Lansing. They had to win. Like if something went wrong, it would have been one of the biggest disasters in program history to lose that game. Michigan football wins 49-0. Michigan State basketball wins by 19 points. So both teams kind of got what they wanted, but it was a little dicey there at halftime if you're Michigan State. But like you said, and, and, you know, kind of, I, I alluded to it's, we all kind of knew that it was pretty unsustainable, which is crazy. They played pretty well, but they were only up two. And that kind of told you everything you needed to know. First half, they were nine of 14 on twos and they hit five threes, including one from Terrace Reed, his first career three and give him credit. Late shot clock turn, didn't hesitate and made it. But those are the things that had to go right for them to be in that game. I do want to give Jalen Llewellyn, a lot of credit for what he did and, you know, putting up 18 points and hitting tough shots and, you know, just grinding and playing 35 minutes with the biggest leg brace I've ever seen a guy play with on his left leg. Um, you have to give him a lot of credit and you have to, I know they're trying to do a little bit of load management with him at home because he is still recovering, but man, I'd like to see a little bit more of him. Am I wrong? I mean, at this point, I mean, you want to do by right, right by him, uh, make sure he can stay as healthy as he possibly can. But at this point, they don't have anything else, especially on the road. Um, it's Jalen Llewellyn or bust. I mean, I know Namari Burnett will play the point a little bit. I don't think George Washington is capable of doing that um, in the here and now. So again, I mean, with, with Jalen Llewellyn, I mean, if he's, if he's got the all clear to go, he's got to go because that's all they have at, at guard at the moment. So uh, to me, I, you know, my brain just keeps going to, and I hate to think this way, uh, but right now this is a Wednesday night basketball team in the Big Ten tournament. They will probably play one of those games. And when you just, you, you, you zoom out and you take the wide angle lens on everything, being a Wednesday night basketball team in year five of a coaching regime is, is not what anyone signed up for. And you're looking at a situation where I know most of the analytics sites have them finishing around 10 wins or so. I mean, even, even in the lowest possible uh, expectation coming into the year, I would have thought they could at least, you know, maybe be 13, 14, but this is bad, man. I mean, it, it's, it, it's pretty bad when one of your takeaways in the first half of the game is, well, gosh, it would be kind of, it'd be kind of funny if they did win this game as opposed to, Hey, they're right in there. And they're right in there in this and you play another good 20 minutes. And and that's a, I can't say any win right now is a big win, but it's any win right now is better than having seven wins. Right. It, it's just, I don't know Clayton, what the road ahead for this group is um, this year. I, they're going to ride it out as is, but I don't know what the plan is. I don't know whether it's just the same as like football, where you hit the reset button after 2020, because Jawan Howard isn't as good of a head coach in his sport as Jim Harbaugh was in his sport. So to me, it's, 
I don't know, man. And I don't, I don't like advocating for, for people to lose their jobs or things like that, because there is a human cost to all that, but it just kind of feels like we're barreling towards a, a clear conclusion to all this, in my opinion, but we'll see. You know, what is on the road ahead Saturday's game against Rutgers Rutgers alcohol, also, baby. Rutgers also took a huge step back this year. They're, terrible as well um, maybe not as bad as Michigan but they're one in five on the road they beat Seton Hall but they have losses to Wake Forest Ohio State Iowa Michigan State Illinois Michigan projected by Ken Palm to win the game Doug McDaniel back in the lineup this is the last game on Ken Palm that they're projected to win um, so you kind of got to get these ones at home when you can against these these other bad teams otherwise you're not going to have those you know 24 hours of decent vibes right um Gun to your head. Does Michigan win on Saturday? Yes. I kind of think can't so. Win on, you can't yeah. you can't lose on alcohol debut day. Well, that crowd's gonna be riled up in the rear. They'll of the say, goal. hold my beer, uh, Michigan basketball. Would say. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, but no, I, I I kind of I'm leaning that that way too. <laughs> it just sounds crazy to say anything positive about this team because everything's kind of gone off the rails, but there have been like a couple stretches against decent teams where you're like, okay, especially when they're at home with the full lineup where, I mean, Rutgers has played terrible basketball too. Sometimes you don't watch it. You look at it in a bubble, but you know, Rutgers can't score and you know, Michigan can't get stops. So, you know, something's going to give on in that matchup. Now Rutgers has a great defense, but it's going to be, it's going to be kind of interesting. I just um, know that there's someone out. We've spent about 10 minutes talking Michigan basketball right now and someone's out there going, Talk to us about who the special teams coordinator is going to be. But if we you know, knew, if we, we let them discuss it, right? Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you look at the road ahead here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's rough. It's you rough after Saturday. So you got to get this one Saturday or else. I think we could have a conversation or else about. What, though? There's no. There, or, well, else or else this. Or else you're looking at maybe finishing the season seven and twenty-four. I'll just say right, it. rather than eight so. and twenty-three. Um, yeah, you know it's a big difference. <laughs> so we'll see uh, Saturday, but continue to stay with us over at thewolverine.com for your football news. Lot to come uh, with Michigan's coaching staff being filled out by new head coach Sharon Moore. Want to give a special thank you. Nick Brake is our producer. He's been filling in for Megan over the last few months um we cannot thank him enough he's done fantastic work for us so appreciate nick for uh all he is doing he's also doing uh double duty with the on three national team as well does a great job over there so thank you to nick uh and we will see everybody next time madness is here say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.